Amen. Praise God. I'm just so excited about this series that we've been doing uh, over the last uh, few weeks. We have been doing a series on the foundations from the book of Hebrews and chapter 6. And over the last six weeks, we have done the initial two uh, portions of the scriptures. The Bible talks in Hebrews 6, verse 1 and 2, it talks about six different foundations of our faith. And over the last six weeks, we have done the first couple of them, one being, Therefore, we leave the, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And of faith towards God. So we did three weeks of repentance from dead works or righteousness. And then we did another further three weeks on faith towards God. Today we are going to go into the third part of this foundation. And it is called the doctrine of baptisms. Or the instructions of baptisms. Everybody say baptisms. Now when you look in the Bible, the Bible... It, does not make any mistakes when we, when it uses the words, the scriptures, the doctrine of baptisms, it does not use it in the singular. The Bible, in fact, uses that word in the plural when the Bible says that there is a doctrine or an instruction of baptisms. When you look in the Bible, you probably wonder why, because this word baptism has, re it has reference to multiple different practices that was there in the time of Jesus Christ. In fact, you look in the Bible, the Christian faith was not the first to practice baptism. The Jews had a practice of baptism at that time. And that is why when we look at the Gentiles also, we realize that the Gentile world had a practice of baptism at that time. So when the Bible uses this word, the Bible specifically shows a difference between the word baptismo and baptisma. The word baptismo was very familiar among the Jewish people because it was referred to as the ritual of washings. Now, to get a little more deeper into this, before I come to the Christian baptism, what, why did Paul talk about the foundation of the Christian baptism? Let me talk about some of the other baptisms that were there that were very prevalent at that time. The first among which was the the washings or the Jewish baptism. They had a practice of washings. What was their practice? They would, they would completely maybe immerse themselves into a fluid or liquid or water. And they, were, they would wash themselves as a sign of purification or a sign of cleansing or a cl sign that, that they were now be becoming right with God. Everyone say the word baptismo. But the Christian baptism was very, very different from what the Jews were doing. And that is why today, as I'm going to teach you the doctrine or the instructions of baptism, that you may pay careful attention to what is being said. Baptismo was never used for the Christian faith. Baptismo was referred in other portions, where it was referred to Jewish practice of washings. It was referred to in places like Hebrews 9, 10, Mark 7, 3 and 4. Uh, we see, but when it came to the, the church of the living God, they always talked about a bapto or baptizo or baptisma, which was the Christian practice. And so when Paul was, or the, or the author of Hebrew, was writing in Hebrews and chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, he had a distinct need in his heart to differentiate clearly 
between the instruction of baptisms. Because he knew that as the church was growing, that there were different teachings that were coming, different practices that were there. Some people would say we need to be baptized even for those who died. Some others would say we have been baptized into Moses. Some others would be saying, no, we have the baptism of suffering. Some others would say we have the baptism of fire. Some of the Jews would say we have the ceremonial washings. So there was so much talk about baptism. I want you to know the times and days that people lived in was populated by people practicing baptism. And then along with all of this came Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus told the disciples, I want you now to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That added on to the plethora of baptisms that were already taking place at that time. So the word probably in this teaching was implying that the, the Christian baptism had to be viewed separately from all the other different baptisms. So let's look at the first one, which was the Jewish washings or the ritualistic washings. When you look in, 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 in the law, uh, in the scriptures, and you also look at Jewish practices, you see that they had a lot of traditions. This is why the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, why is it that your disciples, they don't wash their hands before they eat food? The Jews were upset about it. Why? Because for them, washing of the hands and all were part of their purification rites. The more that they washed themselves, the more they became clean, the more they felt that they're purified, the more they felt that they are right with God. So the Jews practiced three kinds of washings primarily. The first kind of baptismo that they practiced was a complete immersion into water. The word bapto or baptismo or bapt, it does not mean sprinkling. It does not mean doing it for a child. It had to be that uh, it was a complete, the word baptism in the Greek, there was no confusion when the Greek people used the word bapto or baptize or baptismo. It meant complete immersion into a liquid and coming out from that liquid with the, in fact, the picture meaning they used was a cloth that was taken and dipped into a dye. And as the cloth would go into the dye and it would come out of the dye, it would come out with the color of the dye on that cloth. The very nature of the color of that cloth would change because of baptism. That it would not be the same anymore. It wouldn't be the old color. It was now coming out with a new color. Hallelujah. So how was this different? And I'm going to tell that to you in a minute. The Jews practiced a complete immersion too. But this immersion, the Jewish baptism, was a ritualistic washing baptism. It had to do with, once I wash myself, I'll become pure. Women, after they had their babies, and, or, or their, you know, or their, their, they had to go and they had to dip themselves completely in, a water, in water. And they had to purify themselves. So many different practices were there. So one of which was the ritualistic, complete immersion and washing to be pure. The Jews also had the practice of washing their hands and feet. Because the washing of the hands and feet, in fact, they would go on a journey, they'd come among the first things to do would be to wash their hands and feet. Why? It was part of their Jewish practice of remaining pure. That is why when Jesus came and they said, they said, you know, your, your people, they came, they did not give me water to wash their feet and all of that. It was part of the traditions of keeping themselves clean, but not only clean, they also had a sense of being 
scripturally pure. There was a constant need to be pure, constant attempt in our own strength to maintain that purity. So there was a washing of the hand and feet. Then we see that there was a specific practice of the washing of the hands. There was a specific practice of that. They would do it at different times. They would do it before the meals that they would have and they would do it even after the food they would have. And every time they did that, there became a sense of, I'm doing something right. How would they wash their hands? It's very interesting. There became very, very specific rules towards this. First, they would take the cup in their hand and pour and wash the, the right hand two times first. Then they would pour the water on the left hand and that would be washed two times. And in some Jewish sectors, they would do it three times. And after doing it, it was not just about being clean. There was a sense of, I'm feeling pure now. And then they'd have their meal. But before they had their meal, they would not talk to anybody. They would go and sit in front of the meal and they would pronounce a blessing on the meal. And only after that would they eat. After their meal, they'd get up and they'll go back and then they will wash their hands again. Washing of the hands was such a traditional practice. It was required of the Jews at that time. They would pronounce the blessing and the blessing would be, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe who has sanctified us with your commandments and command us concerning the washing of our hands. Can you see how much tradition that had gone into it? How, how the, the, the reality of Christ, which they intended to see, finally they settled with all the external expressions of these washings. This tradition was not really having much to do with hygiene as it had to do with their practice of wanting to be pure so they washed multiple times they washed in the morning they washed while they were after walking they washed after a meal before a meal they washed prior to the priestly blessing they washed during the, the the passover and if they would go to cemetery and they had a funeral they'll come back and they wash can you see what were they practicing baptismal it wasn't just the christian who had done it it was being done by their fathers before that and so the Jews were very familiar with baptismal. Then you see it wasn't just the Jews. When you study history, you find that the Gentiles around the world, they practiced immersion. They would go down and dip themselves in the water, which is baptisma, which is complete immersion. And the intent of the Gentile baptisma was that they will come out of the water and their sins will be washed away. So the Gentiles practiced baptism in different parts of the world. It doesn't matter what culture you come from, you see that they have some kind of rudimentary baptism, immersion that is there in their practice. And when the writer of the Hebrews saw this, he said, I just know we need to talk about these ritualistic baptisms because they need to know why the baptism in the kingdom of God is drastically different from the baptisms of the world. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about the next kind of baptism, we saw the Gentiles did baptism, we saw the Jews did baptism. Then we see a very a peculiar character showing up in Israel. And his name was John the Baptist. They called him, you know, the Baptist, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was between the gospel. He was a cousin of Jesus. The Bible says he was a voice in the wilderness proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. So what did he do? He suddenly came and now he went into all the region. Luke's Gospel 3 and verse 3, the Bible says, he went into all the region and he went about, the Bible says, proclaimed the baptism 
uh, of repentance for the forgiveness of our sin. Proclaim the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of their sin. So now John came with a baptism. So this was not uncommon again. He was familiar with the baptisms. And what was his baptism? It was not the Jesus kind of baptism. It was not the purification according to the, the Judaic one. He was now going not for the external purification. He was going for the heart. He was saying, I want you to repent from your sin. I want us to come back, O Israel. Come back to God. And anybody that was following John the Baptist was now getting baptized. So news was going around. Pharisees were getting to hear. Not only are they commanding people to get baptized. Now John is telling them to be baptized. And now Pharisees get a little nervous. Because the number of people John is baptizing was increasing. And you know, with, as it is with mankind and the heart of man everywhere. When, they, when, when a new movement comes, the old movement begins to get a little nervous about the number of people getting baptized and obeying God in that new movement. So John's baptism, what was it? It was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism saying, go for the heart. Turn around. Come back to Yahweh God. And then he says, he goes on to say that there was a, not only was it a baptism of repentance, it was also a washing, a purification. It was a mix of different things together. It was a purification, which Bible says in 1 Peter 3.21, it's a very interesting verse. 1 Peter 3.21, the Bible says that in the same way, uh, uh, it, it talks about that there is a corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt of the flesh, which means he's comparing who? Peter is comparing to the other baptismos that were happening. He's saying the baptisma is very different from the ritualistic washing. The purification washing. Why? Because that is for the removal of dirt of the flesh. But an, this baptisma is an appeal to God for a good conscience for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can you see the writer, the author of the scriptures of the book of Hebrew? He constantly now he knew there had to be a clarity in foundational teachings. He knew I've got to get this right. I've got to get them to understand it is not by their works they're saved. Number two, I have to them to understand that everything is by faith. Number three, I want them to understand that the baptism in the kingdom of God is a different baptism from the baptism that is practiced among the Judaic people. For John's baptism, it was an external change of the ways of their behavior of the disciples. For Christ, it was a change of their heart, but not only of their heart. I will add on a little more as I talk about it. For John's disciples, it was an outward washing of the body to become a follower of a prophet. People were all going into the wilderness. So that baptism was different. This was between the covenants. And John began to now prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. What was he saying? I want all of you to be baptized. Why? Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. He said, the one who is coming after me, I am not even worthy. To untie. You're all coming into the wilderness to listen to my message, John was saying. But I want you to know there is one greater than me that is coming. Hallelujah. One that is greater than me. That whose shoes I'm not even worthy to untie. The Bible is saying John knew that his entire life was about this coming Messiah. When this was going on, something very interesting happened. There came a time when Jesus and John together were baptizing. At the same time. Now what do you do when cousins are having baptism services at the same time? 
You know, some of us, it's funny, we've been part of some Christian movements, and some part of our family is in one movement, another part of our family is another movement. And now within the family, over Sunday lunch, you're wondering, people are discussing, is yours the right one, is mine? This is time, I want to show you a verse for that. Look at John chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to build a couple of things over here. Very interesting. John, the, the gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he was spending time with them and he was baptizing. Okay? Very interesting now. Jesus, John was baptizing near Jordan. Now Jesus came into Judea. Now he starts baptizing. So now cousins are having two different ministries going on at the same time. One minute, they knew the difference. John knew his ministry was not about him. It was about Jesus. Jesus knew his ministry wasn't about him. It was about the father. So they were very clear about it. But the problem is, is when we go home, mommy wants to know. Whose is the real ministry? Is it elder brother John's ministry? Or is it younger brother Jesus' ministry? You know, even, they're only, even though they are maybe six months apart. So then the cousins want to know. Hey, John, you are still part of the traditional Jewish system. But this Jesus, no, he's breaking all the rules. He doesn't keep the Passover, or the, the, sorry, the Sabbath. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't tell his, uh, his disciples to wash their hands before eating. He's uh, taking the grain and all of them are just eating. You know, you know uh, John the Baptist, the only thing we don't like about you is your, 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 your dress sense. We don't like your dress sense. And we don't like your food sense also because if you call us for lunch, we're not coming. Because we know what you like is locusts and honey. But we like Jesus' food sense. My, he, he knows where there's good food. All right, so he went among the tax collectors and the sinners. He said he knows where there's good food, but we can't go there. Why? We have nothing to do with these sinners. So now people are caught up. They neither, whole bunch of people, neither from the old movement nor from the new movement. They want the best of this. They want the best of that. And they are now stuck in between. And the Bible says that, John, look at that scripture. It says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside and he remained with them and, he, and was baptizing. Look at verse 23. John, what does it say? Also was baptizing. Ah, now that's very interesting. Not very far from there, John is also baptizing. So near Enon, near Salem, because there was much water there and the people were coming and being baptized. So now Jesus' ministry is growing. John's ministry is going. John's gospel chapter 4. Verse 1, 2 and 3. In the very next chapter. John's gospel chapter 4. Verse 1, 2 and 3. This baptism thing. Begins to get a little interesting over here. Now I want you to look at that. Therefore when. The, therefore when the Lord knew. That the Pharisees had heard. That Jesus was making. And baptizing. What? Wait a minute now. now. Now, this is getting a little uncomfortable because Jesus' number of disciples were getting more than John's number of disciples. And now they go within the families, within the circles. The, who had a concern? Jesus found out that the Pharisees heard that Jesus' disciples were increasing. Oh, come on now. Now we had a situation here. Jesus, was, Jesus knew his disciples were increasing. But he was now concerned that the Pharisees are finding out about it. Why? Because the Pharisees, when John was prospering, they didn't like John. 
Now Jesus is increasing. Now they choose, they probably are getting upset. Why is Jesus' numbers more than John's numbers? Whatever happens, people who love power, they want to look at the number of people that are following them. Wherever you go, that, you know, you will find these people that are looking for who's got the bigger numbers. Jesus is not looking at who's got the bigger numbers. Jesus is looking at what season in the, in the kingdom of God are you living in. If you were at a time when Christ, you did not know Jesus, and now you have come to know Jesus as your Savior, it is time for you to move into the new wine move of God. Hallelujah. Some people, they just stay on with the old thing. They say, what will mommy feel if I move from John the Baptist Church to Jesus' church? I don't know what Aunt Elizabeth would feel. How can I hurt her? And you know, Uncle Zachariah, when I was small, he held my hand and took me to the synagogue. How can I forget Uncle Zachariah? Besides that, he's a high priest. We are from the royal Zachariah family. How can we forget all of that? And he'll, and he'll look at Jesus and says, what's wrong with that boy, Jesus? I mean, he doesn't even know what he's doing. I mean, look at him. He's got a whole bunch of women that are going with him and supplying his needs. And, and he's got fishermen. Fishermen? I mean, you, Jesus, you, why didn't you look for the Pharisees if you're interested in looking for a religion? If you're interested in fishing, go for the fishermen. If you're interested in theology, look for the Pharisees. Jesus bypassed all of them and he came with a new message. What was the difference? In John's baptism and in that ministry, it was about the Judaic faith. It was about repentance beyond the ritual. It was about following a prophet. It was about a change of the external part of your life. But in Jesus' ministry, the baptism of Jesus was very, very, very different. Hallelujah. It was different from what John was practicing. What was it? And this was the third baptism, the doctrine of this baptism. We looked at the Jewish pattern. We looked at the, the John the Baptist pattern. His message was not about uh, the Gentiles. His message was the faith of Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I have come with one message. What is that message? I've come to reconcile you back to the Father. There was a message of the baptism of the kingdom. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 38. The apostles were in the upper room. They were worshiping God and they were praying. And while they were praying, the Bible says that it was a great and mighty wind. They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And people heard them speak in their own languages. At that time, people thought they are drunk. Now, people did not see them drunk. People heard them and thought they were drunk. The only thing people saw was them standing up together as one band of leaders and saying, Therefore, let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, whom, uh, him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This was a new message. What was the new message? This was not a message of the Jewish kingdom. This was a message of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. This was a message that Jesus Christ is a king. This was a message that the, it is not the earthly kingdom, that it is a heavenly kingdom. And that king wants a place in your heart. God wants your heart to turn around. And he says, verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? They heard this message. And verse 38 says, 
Peter said to them, what did he say? Read it together. Let's go. Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every Jew that had gathered out there had to write to say, do you know the traditions from where we come? What, how old is your rabbi? He's 33. Do you know our father Abraham? They could have said that. But what did they do? They were humble people in the presence of God. They said, what must we do that we can be saved? Hallelujah. Today, how, where is your heart? Is your heart open and saying, what must we do that we might be saved? Or are you saying, does your church have burial ground? <laughs> you know, some time ago, we saw an advertisement on one church, so and so, so and so. You know, when these new generation churches came in. And below that, it is written, symmetry attached. So those were the days. I don't know if you remember in yesteryears in hotels, they used to put bar attached. <laughs> so, so when we saw that, this one, we thought, my goodness, here are the secular people, you know, they're putting bar attached. And here are the, the, the new generation churches putting symmetry attached. Because the question was, if you leave that old movement, who will bury you? People were worried about that. They were more worried about the traditions of the fathers who will marry you, who will bury you, who will give you all these things. And the Bible says, these 3,000, they looked at Peter and said, Peter, tell us what should we do that we might be saved. They had a humble heart. Today, how is your heart? Are you like the Pharisees whose heart is hardened and saying, what are the advantages I will get if I come to your faith? Or are you like these repentant people who said, we have sinned and we have, we have sinned before God and before man. What should we do that we might be saved? Peter said to them, repent. And each of you be what? Baptized. This began the journey of the new covenant Christian baptism after the ascension of Jesus Christ. Be baptized now in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was this? This was now a new covenant after the resurrection. He was saying every act of obedience is going to open your life into a new move of God. Hallelujah. If you will maintain a soft heart, if you will obey God in baptism, God is saying, I want to pour out more and more into your life. I want to really touch, you, touch your life. Acts 2. The Bible says in Acts 2, we just saw till 38, but I want you to look at 41. Acts 2, 41, the Bible goes on to say, it says, so then those who had what? Received what? Received symmetry space. What? Received what? Received membership. Uh, received healing. Come on. Those that received a miracle from Jesus. What? He says, those that received what? They received the word of God. They did not look anywhere else except into the word of God. Hallelujah. Where are you looking? The Bible says those that received his word were baptized. Hallelujah. Everybody say those that received his word. Say it again. Those that received his word. It's very, very important for you and me to understand the power of faith that arises when we receive his word. Many of us, we don't humble down before God. 
we don't humble down we just want to we just want to take a stand for ourselves anything that is a transactionally good for us if i come to jesus what is it in it what, what is in it for me you look in the bible you see various kinds of baptisms that's why the doctrine of baptism let me just quickly tell you about 10 types of baptisms that are in the bible and around the culture or time of that baptism one was the gentiles they used to practice baptism this was the immersion for the purification of the washing away of their sin then there was the jewish baptism which was a ritualistic washing for their works to make them qualify for the kingdom of heaven so everything they did it became added on to added on to their righteousness then there was john's baptism this was a baptism of repentance from their works but yet it was an old covenant baptism then we see there was a baptism by jesus and his disciples when john was baptizing jesus and his disciples were baptizing at the same time then we see that there is the kingdom baptism which is the present christian baptism and this is i'll touch on this a little bit and after that we see the bible says there is also another baptism called the baptism in the holy spirit jesus says tarry in jerusalem until you receive power from on high and you shall be my witnesses you know he said you until you're baptized by the spirit of god so that's the baptism of the holy spirit we see in matthew 3:11 then there is a baptism of fire he said that as for me i baptize you with water john said for repentance but he who is coming after me is mightier than me and i am not fit to remove his sandals he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire so we see there is a baptism of fire then there are some of the symbolic baptisms in luke 12:50 the bible says jesus looks at them and said unto him jesus asked are you able to go through you know drink the cup that i am going to drink and go through the baptism that i am going to be baptized with and they looked at him both james and john <laughs> you know they they were men of faith i guess i don't know they said what suffering baptism suffering no problem we'll handle it that's exact jesus looked at them they said they said no problem we'll go through any suffering just make sure the right hand and the left hand is for us we just make sure you give us the position of power then we'll put up with the suffering you know a lot of people for for power they'll put up with any suffering amen jesus looks at them and said you will surely suffer for my name but the right hand and left hand i can't promise since you guys said you're willing to go through anything thank you i have taken your word seriously you will suffer for my name and james was speared to death and john was thrown into a pot of boiling oil and uh, and he had to he was vanished away to patmos but jesus said but i can't give you that right hand or left hand it is belongs to god then there was the baptism of moses which was symbolic israel going through the wilderness the bible calls it the baptism of moses then the bible talks about the baptism of the dead in first corinthians 15:29 people were symbolically now some people were going that extra and they were practicing those who could not be baptized can we symbolically do for them and i don't think there is a there is a correct scriptural practice where we where we people who did not receive christ who didn't know god i don't think we can do it on their behalf for which now let us look at what really is baptism because when many of the excuses we give what we we when we give these excuses because we don't understand what really is this christian baptism what really is baptism baptism is a symbolic representation of what the lord has done for you and for me it is very different from the jewish baptism it is different from the gentile baptism 
This is a New Testament practice that God has asked every disciple of his must go through. The Old Testament, they would practice circumcision. But in the New Testament, they said, it's not circumcision anymore. I want every child of the kingdom to be baptized. Hallelujah. Everybody born again. And in the kingdom of God, the Bible says, I want you to be baptized. Because why was it? Because he said, this is going to become a sign. Everybody say sign. Say sign. It is an external expression of your internal change and transformation. It is your public declaration to the world that I am no longer the old man you knew. I am no longer the person that you have known. I want you to know my allegiance is now to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That he is my master. He is my Lord. How was it different? How was it different? You see, it was so different because if you will turn to the book of Romans. And I want you to look at Romans in chapter 6. How is the new covenant baptism or the New Testament baptism very different from the Jewish or the other kinds of baptisms? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse three, four, 3 onwards. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his what? Into what? Into his death. You've been baptized into his death. So what is the Bible saying? When you're being, is it shower? Is it, you know, little water, a lot of water? He, he doesn't have any confusion. Why? In his Greek Bible, it is simply written, you believe and be washed by immersion. Now, how is the Christian baptism immersion? Why? It is there in Romans and chapter 4. A lot of people do not want to read the Bible. They want to go and ask people who don't want to tell you from the Bible. Romans and chapter 4, verse 3 onwards, it goes on to say, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him. Look at this. When, one, when a person is baptized in immersion, the Bible says that you are dead and buried. Everybody say buried. Can you see this? When you're buried, it is being buried into the water, symbolic of Christ. You are being buried now into Christ symbolically. And when you are coming out of the water, the Bible says that as Christ was resurrected from the dead, it is no longer you that is coming out. It is Christ that is coming out and you are now in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm in Christ. Come on. Say it again. I'm in Christ. Which means you are declaring that when you are coming out of the water baptism, it is no longer you. It is him that you are representing now. Hallelujah. And it is he who is representing you in the courtroom of heaven. Hallelujah. He is standing behalf of you before the mercy seat. And he's saying, Lord, now it is no longer that young man or young woman that is standing before the throne of grace. Lord, even as they come, I am representing them. In the heavens, he begins to represent him, you. And on earth, he says, now I want you to begin to represent me. Hallelujah. So baptism in the Christian faith is not just the washing away of your sin. It is your burial service. Oh, come on. Come on, you can do better than that. It is what? 
It is what? It is your burial service where you are dead to your past. You are dead to your preferences. You are dead to your passions. You are dead to what you want. You are dead to your prejudice. You are dead to your racism. You are dead to your pride. You are dead to your own plans. And now as you're coming out of the water, you are allowing Jesus to rise. And as he appears, you will also appear with him. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 and 4. What a powerful verse. If you would only understand that the Christian baptism declares a lot more than the washing away of your sin. He washed away your sin because of his shed blood. But you are declaring in baptism that now that he gave his life for you, you are ready to be dead in Christ and allow him to resurrect. Galatians 3 verse 3 and 4. It says, are you so foolish having dead and you are hidden in Christ? Now, when Christ appears, amen, what will happen? When Christ appears, you will also appear with him in glory. What does that mean? Every one of your glory is now buried in Christ. You know which family I come from? Bury it. Hmm. Bury it, the Lord says. That is why Paul stood up and said, Thanks be to God from whom every family on earth derives his name. He's saying you are buried to that. And now you are resurrected. Only one identity. What? That I am bought with a price. I am a child of God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am a representation of the things of God. This is your baptism. Haven't you heard of George Muller? You heard of George Muller? George Muller, if I'm not wrong, was a man that raised around 3,000 orphans. And he went through so much persecution. Many times they had no money, no food. Many times he had to trust God for provision. And they would sometimes, around the supper table, knowing that there is no food, she'd call all the orphans and say, come, let us give thanks for the food. And the orphans will sit around the table and they'll start giving thanks for the food. And he says, it is not one, it is not two, so many times. Knowing that there is no food in the kitchen while we are giving thanks for the food, somebody would knock the door of our orphanage and somebody would bring sacks of food for us. And people saw the miracles that God did for George Muller. But you always have the naysayers, don't you? So some of the naysayers came and said, George Muller, you know, you're horrible. You're hopeless. Is this the way you take care of people? Is this the way you should do things? So one man came to George Muller and said, George, there is so much bad press against you. There's so much criticism against you. People are lying about you. How is it that you handle all this? Everything that people say against you. George Muller looked at that person and said, on that day of that month of that year, when George Muller got baptized, George Muller died. From that day onwards, George Muller doesn't live. And when they speak against George Muller, George Muller is dead. He says, when you pass by a dead body, you look at that dead body and say, you rascal. And then you look at the dead body and say, you fool. You know you're such a fool. You spent your whole life raising those orphans. What did you gain? 
And he says, you tell anything to a dead body. He says, dead bodies don't say anything back. He says, that's why I don't say anything back. He said, because I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But you look at some of the believers today. You look at them. You know that the resurrection is a reality. Because they buried their old man and the old man comes back again. And they kill him again and the old man rises again. And he says, I won't die. I'm back. And, and then you say, no, 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 Jesus. Next conference, you'll say, I will forgive, he'll forgive. And then the next time the same person does something, the old man is back again. That's a proof to the resurrection. That, <laughs> this, the Bible says that God wants you to understand that you are buried in Christ. Hallelujah. And the Bible goes on to say, you're not only buried in Christ, what does it say? It says, verse 4, therefore you have been buried with him through baptism unto death, in order that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might be what? Raised. It's very different from the other baptisms. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. What is it saying? It's saying that if you have died, you're buried in baptism, you're no longer going to go after the sins that are just attracting you. You are saying, thus far and no more. Till now, I have allowed playing a double life. Or you might say, till now, you know, I have cheated or I've lied or swindled. God is saying, no more. Stop it. God is saying, why? Because you were buried with Christ and now Christ lives in you. Now, and when you begin to swindle and you begin to cheat and you begin to lie, what you're telling the world is that Christ is swindling through you. Christ is lying because, because you are lying. That Christ is angry because you're, when you, when, when, you, when, when you do all kinds of wicked things, you're proclaiming that Christ is doing that and the Bible doesn't stand by that. The Bible says in verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. So God is calling us to understand that this baptism is very different. It is an obedience to God. That if somebody has to be baptized, some people say, who should be baptized? And the simple answer is, repent and be baptized. When I was a young Christian, I just got saved. I was a few months saved in the Lord. But as a young Christian, they told me, watch out for those fellows who will dip you in water. Make sure you don't go anywhere near those bunch of people. So I used to stay away from them. A cousin sister of mine, much older to me, she asked me the previous day, she said, do you think I should be baptized? She was born again now. I looked at her and said, no, 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 just accept what your childhood, your godfather and everyone did for you. Just accept that. The next day, I went for a meeting somewhere. Meeting finished at 7.30 in the evening. After the meeting, the leaders of the meeting came to me, looked at me and said, John, have you been water baptized? And I said, yes. They said, when? I said, as a baby. So they said, no, no, no. The Bible says you need, to, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and then be baptized. We got into a debate. It started around 7.30 in the evening. It went all the way till 11 o'clock in the night. Now, you know I can pick a fight when it comes to theology. Went on till 11 o'clock in the night. 11 o'clock in the night, these guys got together and they said, Okay, anyway, you know, so much time is gone. Why don't we just pray? Because they spent about three and a half hours debating. 
They said, let's just pray. I said, sure, let's pray. And we sat for prayer, 11 o'clock. Around 11.25, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit said, believe, repent, and be baptized. Bang, it suddenly made sense. I said, aha, we're supposed to repent, receive Jesus, and then be baptized. At 11.25, I looked at these guys and I said, guys, I want to be baptized. Now, three and a half hours of trying to convince me I got to be baptized. The Lord did it in a few minutes. You know, your problem is not the person who's speaking to you. Your problem is you're hardening your heart to hear from God. That is your problem. Your problem is a hardened heart that doesn't want to respond to the word. The Bible says everyone that heard the word were baptized. The only reason if you're not baptized today after receiving Jesus is because of a hardening of your heart. And the Lord says, soften your heart and obey God in baptism. When should we be baptized? Everybody say immediately. Come on. Look at somebody and say immediately. Say it again. Immediately. The Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he looked at, he looked at uh, the Philip and said, what stops me from being baptized? He said, you know, the water is there. The preacher is there. I'm there. Are you okay with baptizing me? He wanted it. What? How did he want it? Immediately. 11.25 in the night. I got convinced. I looked at them. I said, guys, can you baptize me? Now they're looking at each other and they're wondering, now where do we go to baptize this fellow? In fact, there's a very interesting story. You know, they took their car out. We all got in the car. At around 11.45 or 11.30 or something in the night, we went to a nearby uh, Pentecostal church. We knocked the door. And these guys had Bermudas on and T-shirt and a towel around their neck. Knock, knock, knock. 11.39. And they opened the door. The pastor looked at them and says, yes. He says, can we use your baptism tank? And the pastor looked at them and said, no. You can't use our baptism tank. And they came, we all walking away, really discouraged, don't know what to do. And then one of them had an idea. They said, John, what? Let's go to the river. They drove down to some river near Thiruvala. I'm talking about, this is close to 30 years ago. We drove down to some river near Thiruvala, Maruti 800 headlights. We went into the river and got baptized. Hallelujah. Immediately. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, immediately. Your passion, your obedience to God, there has to be an immediate desire to be baptized. My life has never been the same since then. Because the Bible says... Paul, the Bible says in Acts 9.18, as soon as he got his sight, how soon? As soon as he got his sight, what did he do? He got up, everybody say, arose, and got baptized. Now look at that. He was, he was in the house of Jewish people that were waiting to host him as the, as the Pharisee who was coming to arrest the Christians and kill them. And now when he encounters Christ on the way, he walks into Damascus and walks into the only address he had. So he goes to that home and he's now blind. And God tells Ananias, there's an address of some people that don't like you Christians. Please go to that address. There's a man called Saul. You need to pray for him. He gets his sight back. And Ananias is saying, are you serious? You want me to walk into their house? And God says, yeah, go in. And Ananias goes into their house and he says, I've come looking for a Saul. And he prays for Saul. Miracle happens. In the midst of a home where everybody is against these Christians, Paul rises up and says, I want to be baptized and I want to be baptized now.
Some of you say you don't know the persecution I go through. You know, if I get baptized, my father will not give me inheritance. If I get baptized, mommy is fish curry. I don't know how I will survive without that fish curry. Paul stood up and said, if I have to die, I'll die, but I will be baptized. Amen. Why? Because he understood this was not about some ritual cleansing or purification. He understood it was not about some religion. He understood this had to do with the kingdom of God. Everybody say, repent and be baptized. The Bible talks about immediately Cornelius' house. They commanded them. They got baptized. Lydia, as soon as she heard the word, got baptized. Philippian jailer, earthquake, takes that sword out to kill himself. Paul says, don't. Have you heard of Jesus? No, I haven't. Okay, you receive him. Okay. He goes back and immediately he gets baptized. You look at Christmas, the, the head of the synagogue ruler, so many of them were continually, immediately getting baptized. Now, some people wonder, am I baptized into a particular denomination? No, you're not baptized into any denomination. The Bible says you're baptized in Christ. Everybody say Christ. Say in Christ. Baptism is not about any denomination. Baptism is about and in Christ. You're baptized into the kingdom of God. Then some people have a question. Is it adult baptism or is it child baptism? Can I just accept what my godfather did for me when I was a kid? You know, so many of us have had godfathers, fathers, mothers who said, we'll take them and be baptized. You see, when I was young, I loved baptism services. You know why? This child baptism? Because it was appam and chicken stew. <laughs> I loved it. I don't know about your part of the world, but where I come from, it was appam and chicken stew after baptism. We loved it. Now, so, and when I was being baptized as a little baby, my father was there, and he was, and my mother, and then he had a godfather and godmother. What does the godfather and godmother say? They say, we will personally look into it that this boy grows up in the ways of God. The only problem was my godfather was stone drunk. So what he would have said is, you don't worry. I will, I will take care of this boy. No problem. Who? Jesus. Spirit. Spirit. No problem. The man was stoned. He was a stone drunk person. And he is saying, I assure you that I will raise this boy in the ways of God. And many of us say, can't we by faith appropriate what Godfather did for us? There is no such appropriation. The only appropriation is what Jesus did for you. But what does the Bible say? Everybody say, repent, believe, and be baptized. Amen. Say it again. Repent, believe, and be baptized. This is what the Bible says. So there is, you have to get out to understand when you're being baptized. It is not like other things. There is a righteousness of faith that comes with you. There is a right standing with God. Then there is a pure conscience before God. That you know, God, I have not postponed baptism. I have not postponed obeying you. Anything you're telling me, I'm not delaying it. I'm not giving excuses. I'm not the man who's going to spend my whole life giving excuses that there is a pure conscience. Everyone say pure conscience. That there would be a pure conscience in your heart that you know that I have fully followed the Lord. When you're baptized, you obey the Lord. When you're baptized, you're publicly declaring your choice to follow Jesus Christ. When this baptism happens, 
You're choosing to die to yourself and to take up the cross daily and to follow him. So everyone that was believed, were, that believed were the people that took baptism. So some people ask, what if I commit sin after I get baptized? What if I make mistakes again? I want you to know, we don't get baptized because we're sinless. We get baptized because of a choice we are making, of who our allegiance is to. We don't become sinless, everybody say, we don't become sinless, but we begin to sin less and less and less and less. That's our choice of baptism. Then people, there are some people, they are masters at excuse. What is the excuse? They say, don't you know Cornelius and his family were baptized? Philippian jailer and his family were baptized. In the family, babies were not there. Do you think babies were not there in the family? Why? They gave your senses to you. Huh? They reported to you how many babies were there. You're presuming, were babies not there also? Listen to me. This, when you interpret scripture wrongly, you will understand it and believe it wrongly. They said Cornelius' household, babies were there. Philippians jailer's household, babies would have been there. And in Lydia's household, babies would have been there. So the Bible says the whole household, they say that they got baptized. But that's not true. That's not what the scripture says. What does the scripture say? In Cornelius' household, you know what the Bible says? Everyone that heard the word. Amen. Everyone that heard the word were baptized. Now I use this example often. Imagine I'm inviting you to my home for dinner, all right? And I want to serve some nice chicken biryani. And at least the men said amen. All right, so, and I, we got this exquisite spread, nice food on the table. We got this chicken biryani put together. And now you are coming to, the, to my home for dinner. You have eaten like till up there. You are so full. And you've gone home and your father asks you, where did you go? And uh, you say, well, me and our whole family, we went to pastor's house for dinner. But the thing is, you had a one-month-old baby or a two-month-old baby. Baby is just very small, very young. And you know, when you go anywhere with a two-month-old baby, you got backpacks and nappies. And, and then you got all the other accessories, milk and water, hot water. You are ready for any kind of eventuality, including towels in case the baby throws up. So who went to pastor's house for dinner? Come on. Come on. Everybody went. But I want to know who all had chicken biryani. Did you feed your two-month-old baby biryani? But your whole family came for dinner, didn't they? And But when your baby came, you bought your little old private dinner. Why? Because the baby was not ready for that dinner. In the same way, anyone who does not repent, anyone who does not believe in Jesus and receive Jesus, you are not ready to be baptized. It doesn't matter which Godfather has baptized you and promised you. Who said that I will tell them about Jesus? It doesn't matter the day you receive Jesus Christ. The Bible says, everyone say with me, repent and be baptized. Say it again, repent and be baptized. So the Bible is talking about repentance. And they say, no, but what about, you know, it's okay. They just sprinkled at us. No, that's okay. No, no, no. The Bible says baptism. You got to die. You got to be buried. And you got to be resurrected into a newness of life. So it's so important for us to understand that for Jesus, being saved and being baptized 
are not two separate things. Those that received the word were baptized. Amen. We are the ones who are separating it. I was saved when I was 12 and a half. Then I was baptized when I was two. And then I am rebaptized when I am, you know, should I be rebaptized again when I'm old? It is us Christians that is dividing all these things. The word of God does not separate it. The word of God says what? Believe, repent, believe, and be baptized. Repent from your sin. Receive all that God has for you and be baptized. Be baptized, the Lord would say. And some people ask, shouldn't I pray about it? Shouldn't I? Shouldn't I? Pray about it. Pray about it. You know, when you're driving down the road and you see a red signal, and you're going at 120, you see this red signal, I suggest that since you like to pray about everything, and there's a truck coming across, well, that's a good time to pray because you're going anyway. <laughs> People ask, shouldn't I pray about it? I want you to know, if it is a constitution of heaven, there is nothing to pray about. Amen. If it is written, there is nothing to pray about. Hallelujah. Did you hear what I'm saying? But I said, but what if my papa and mommy don't agree? I, that we are so happy to protect the emotions of our father and mother at the cost of breaking the heart of Father God. Hurting God is okay. But we find it so difficult to hurt daddy and mommy. You know why? Where will I go? What will happen to my house? Inheritance. I want you to ask the same question. What will happen to your inheritance in heaven? What inheritance will you have? If you fear man more than you fear God. If you fear people, many people are waiting to Get the maximum of every world. Oh, make maximum advantage of everything. But today I want you to know that God is calling on your heart. God is calling on your heart now to obey the Lord in everything that God has for you. Let me close with this scripture. The Bible says, the Pharisees, they missed the purposes of God in their generation. Because they rejected the baptism of John. They missed what? The purposes of God. When we reject the commandments of scripture, we are rejecting the purposes of God. That you would miss out on all that God has for you. Some people don't want to get baptized because their boyfriend doesn't believe in baptism. Some don't want to get baptized because their family will not give them the inheritance. And we end up rejecting the purpose of God. Everybody say purpose of God. Purpose of God. You miss the purpose of God. The only reason you shouldn't be baptized is if you have not received Jesus as your Savior. And tonight, today, every eye closed in the presence of God. If there is any among us here today, in your heart you know that you're not sure of your salvation. You're not sure if you have received Jesus.
as your Savior. And today you know that Jesus died for you on the cross. That you're not your own, you're bought with a price. That you, Jesus is saying, will you receive me not as your Savior from sin to go to heaven, you receive me as your Lord and King. That obeying the word of God would be your utmost, your highest desire. The Lord is saying, if there is any among you here that's not yet asked Jesus, I want you to know he loves you today. He died on the cross for your sin. And he rose again from the dead on the third day. Death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. He's today ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And he's seated on the right hand of God. And he's coming back to judge the quick and the dead. And if, if there's any here right now that has not received Jesus, or you're not sure of your salvation, I want you to boldly throw your hands up and receive him this day. Don't go back today unsure of your salvation. If there is anybody in this place, just hold your hand up right now. We're just going to pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for these souls, Lord, that are giving their lives to you right now. It doesn't matter how they have lived or where they have lived. Lord, today is their day. Father, we want to ask in Jesus' name, we want to receive you into our hearts as our Lord and Savior. That you be the master, you be the king, you be the glory and the lifter of our head. Thank you for dying on the cross. Today, wash our sins away. Even though they're red as scarlet, you'll make it as white as snow. We just receive that finished work of the cross. Thank you for these saints. We want to give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if there's any among you that is not yet baptized, you say, I have loved Jesus and I want to honor him, but you're saying, I'm not yet baptized. I want you to make that decision. Because the Bible says that you can lose the purposes of God upon your generation by living a life of disobedience. And today, if God is moving your heart to obey Him in baptism, I'm asking you to make that choice right now. Father, I thank you for these saints. Thank you for the word this day. As people are making that choice right now, right now, wherever they are right now, if they're making that choice to obey God, Father, stir their hearts, Lord. Stir their hearts, Lord, that they're not going to be afraid anymore. They're going to obey the Lord in everything that God has for them. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've spoken to us. We give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.